0: Mark Diacco, welcome to the Madams Cast. How are you, my old
1: fruit? I, I, I'm all the better for talking to you, Tim. It's, it, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I think I feel I feel slightly guilty about feeling all right because um, I'm touching all the wood that I can at the moment. Uh, you know the the whole stuff that's going on with the lockdown and everything. <laughs> did you hear that? I did did you hear that okay that's the angry corona duck
0: and it will come out if if it feels like the the conversation's getting mugged by that topic okay so there's there's a little bit of a ban on that and i know it's difficult because we've, we've got to link stuff back to our lives and where they are and it's having a big influence and all of those things but to a degree i want to take um the duck as red gotcha
1: with me? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not. Legend. I'm not going. I'm not going to cross the duck again. I'm not going to cross the duck again. Uh, it's no, pretty angry. It's, it's uh, pretty angry. And it. It's. I've said it off once or twice
0: myself as well. So you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't feel bad. Don't feel bad. Gotcha. Where are you? Tell me where you are and um, what you had for supper last night.
1: Uh, cool, that no. no, no you're, you're asking a man of my age to try and recall that far back, but I'm I'm in sunny East Devon, um, not far from Sidmouth, and. The sun has been shining mostly. It's rained a bit, and things are all right. I think. What did I? I can tell you what I am having for tea tonight. Uh, um, go on. That'll I, 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 you know, sometimes you're sitting at your desk and you're working away, and you look up the window, and I just suddenly thought I've got to have ribs tonight. I've got to have some real lovely spicy uh, ribs, and that's got to happen. It was like someone flew across my my window and and was trailing a, a, a tape that just said eat ribs diacono so um it's the ribs and they I've just bunged them in the oven for their couple of hours um to kick them off and and that's that's what's coming later so I'm 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 a happy man because I don't I don't eat ribs very much I don't eat a whole lot of pork anymore funnily enough but um just once in a while I'm like yeah 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 it's got to be it's got to be and um yeah
0: and what a great thrifty underrated cut to use as well
1: I I um, honestly I, I one of the one of the one of the great lessons to me as far as meat goes is is nearly always the 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 not I mean the not prime cuts let's say if you've got the time and you just learn a little bit of the skill of this or that they are that's where the gold is you know that's totally where the gold is don't get me wrong I love a leg of lamb and all of that stuff but if you just got the time to Do the ribs and you've learned how to do it and not burn it and to get the balance of sweet, sour and hot and all of that stuff. Or if you, um, you know, have played around with, I don't know, breast of lamb, that kind of thing, you know, it takes a little bit more investment because it does, you know. Um, But if you get it right and that isn't tricky once you dive into it, then that is really where the gold is for me
0: right 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 so this is this is gold what you're saying now is gold as far as i'm concerned but what i'm in danger of doing is failing to host this properly (laughs) because i've known you for so long and that we're good mates i don't think there needs to be any secret about that um from from way back in in our mutual river cottage days Mm. um I would, and I know this can be a bit embarrassing for people, but I don't think it should be. I want you to tell me a little bit about yourself so that everyone else can get on the same page
1: with where we're having our chat. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I, I'm, I, I didn't, I didn't get into either gardening or food on my mother's knee back when I was eight. You know, it was much, much later. And um, I've always been a greedy guts, but that, and that's, that's, you know, that that's kind of driven some of the food in, but, um, there were two things that really happened. I met my wife who really liked gardening and I felt like I better learn how to do something outside otherwise I'd never spend any time with her. And that's where the kind of grow inside kicked off with a load of spuds and that kind of thing. And um, the other life changer, I mean, a genuine life changer um, was I was working in my previous work life in Suffolk and the person who I was staying with, who I worked with and who's a good friend, she um, said, hey, we got mulberries tonight. And I'm like... Yay! Is that a, is that a yay? You know, are they? Uh, you know, I, I've never had a mulberry uh, like most of the world. Uh, she said, "Oh, you know, wait till you try them." And, we, and it happened. To, you know, it was August. The mulberries were perfect, and I tasted one, and life changed. I just didn't. I couldn't believe that I'd lived, you know, twenty odd years, thirty maybe, on the planet and had never eaten this most amazing thing, the best fruit I've ever had, bar none. And and I thought, you know, th- th- hang on a minute. I can only eat this stuff if I grow it myself because it's too soft to go to market. And that really is where it started off. I started growing a load of stuff, um, didn't know a thing about it. So luckily the, the, the um, you know, the internet was my friend. I ran around, you know, learning from anyone I could, you know, I visited lots of people who were doing good stuff. I read like crazy. I was happy to dive in. I made myself a very good promise that I would encourage anyone else to make about anything really, which is don't be afraid of being crap. You know, oh. I'd never have got anywhere in my life. Well, this is it. You know, especially men, I think maybe more than women, the older you get, um, the more there can be a tendency to just stay doing the stuff you're good at um, for all kinds of reasons. And actually, the, you know, the, the the sort of life enhancing stuff is going beyond that, you know, and, and, and trying stuff out and being a bit rubbish and messing up and all of that stuff. And... I, I, I made the promise to myself that I would not be afraid of being crap, that I would get things wrong, that I wouldn't try and pretend I hadn't. Um, and so I started growing stuff. I started a blog, and that was back in 2001, so quite a good time quite a good time ago, mostly to record what I was doing, which was growing lots of different things. Um, I The blog got a bit of a nice following, and then I wrote a letter back in the day when people used to write people letters. Um, saying, listen, my previous job was kind of advising government agencies about managing the landscape. And I I said, look, I've just watched the first series of River Cottage. I'd love to write a book with you where you write the food bit, I write the landscape bit, a kind of eat the view kind of thing. And he wrote back and he said, I can't, I'm writing the first River Cottage cookbook, but come fishing. We hit it off. I did some stuff on the early River Cottage website. I started the Otter Farm thing of growing lots of things um, and writing about that. I got involved leading the garden team um, for part of my time uh, wrote a few books for them and then carried on writing. And here it is today. And um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the how it's happened. And, and it it's, been massive fun you know I'm relatively unemployable and I seem to have found something that I like doing you know (laughs) well
0: isn't that a secret in life um and and you know I'm gonna I'm gonna big you up a little because you obviously you're naturally um very modest person um and so I'm gonna big you up a little bit because I think I'm right in saying that your first Personal non-river cottage publication, mm. one food book of the year, straight out of the stable,
1: didn't it? It did, it did, yeah. I I was, um, you know, when you sort of, I, w- I was, <laughs> yeah, I was it was not, it was shortlisted um, for for the Guild of Food Writers Food Book of the Year, and this is two thousand and ten, and I'd gone along um, to this, you know, exciting world. I felt a bit sort of Cinderella, you know, with a, with a piece of straw hanging out of my teeth and um, <laughs> I was I was chatting you know and it was like the next the award is is food book a year. I mean I you know I was genuinely bowled over to being shortlisted and I and I still to this day think if you get on the shortlist then that's that's it because if you win really you know it's it's somebody's opinion and they're all good do you know what I mean and there's probably a a a a, a paper between them all you know um so get shortlisted but I I I genuinely you know there's some really lovely books on the shortlist and I genuinely didn't think I'd win it. And I was chatting to two people, you know, John Wright, who you know, and 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 Deborah Robertson. And I was just chatting away. We were chatting away merrily, um, and and with no drama at all. And John said, "Oh, it's the one you're up for." And I'm like, "Oh yeah." And I'd won it. And I was like, "Hell's teeth! Um, this is a bit, this is a bit magic. Maybe I'm um, not so crap after all." Because um, um, you know, that book, in case anyone would
0: like to read it, is called "A Taste of the Unexpected." That's the one. Which is a, an absolute kicker, and just bring us up to date. What's your latest publication before we dive into the structured bit of the podcast?
1: Yeah, and um, well, um, uh, sour is, is the is the is the latest one, which um latest free book, which I which was out in September, um, and that's. Really, uh, as you'd imagine, not what not as my oldest friend said, uh, an autobiography, but it's a it's a, 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 a <laughs> about, yeah, charming. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry.
0: Yeah. Water. Have, have hold on.
1: Yes. Uh, have a have a drink. Well, um, Ooh. it's it's a sort of hymn to all all the sharps, you know. So all all of the um, you know, everything pickled, everything fermented all the natural sours, you know, like like uh, you know tamarind and and lime and all of that stuff, and really how to use sourness as much as anything. Yes, there's souring skills in there about making sourdough and making kimchi and that kind of stuff, but it's also about using sourness to make your other stuff taste even better, you know, whether that's a little teaspoon of, of vinegar in the end of a soup or whether it's um, whatever. Um yeah, and I'm working on the follow-up and and, um, and I love it, you know. It's, it's really nice to find something that you enjoy and that's what it is, yeah.
0: And it's so difficult, I think, to find a subject like that and put it into a way because that's quite advanced cookery, right? Lots of people will follow a recipe and they'll get to a point where they'll be like, right, well, it says here, put in a teaspoon of this. And they'll get it and they'll understand that it tastes delicious. But the understanding of why that makes it good and then the ability to... Uh, apply that elsewhere across your own personal repertoire as I always think of it everyone's got their own whether that's just a ham toasty and a pop tart everyone's got their own um, repertoire and I think uh, the cool thing about a foodie book in using that sour as a concept is that it can explore that whole Um, realm and bring it into focus for people who've perhaps sort of not quite got there yet which so and and and, I I will confess being um, a somewhat of a creative foodie myself uh, I love reading other people's work on stuff because it ignites your own creativity and gets you to realize stuff that perhaps you knew but you've overlooked or inspires you to look at something from a new angle and that's why why I like it
1: all so much really. Totally that Tim. Yeah. You you know, it it can join sort of dots that you've got already or lead you off down new paths. And I, I really, I really, really love that about, um, you know, keeping exploring, looking at other people's stuff, listening to podcasts like this, you know, it's, it's, you get little windows into other places that maybe would be brilliant for you to go off and have a wander around yourself, you know, and do your own thing. You know, I I wrote this one right up front in the, in Sour. Um, and it, and it, it, it felt quite a, a lovely sort of pleasure writing it because it it, 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 I think it's so true, especially in the world that we're in, the food where it's hard to, um, you know, you, there's always there's always things that are parallel to it or have gone before. And I wrote in there that you know the, this book I felt as much of a DJ as a songwriter. You know, You, you, you after the time you're going, I'm going to try that. That sounds amazing. And then you try somebody's. Whatever it is, ribs, or you try somebody's method for sourdough and you go, that's really lovely. And you might stay with it, but it might lead you off down another path. And a lot of the books like that, you know, you're going, I'm not going to invent kimchi, for God's sake. I can invent other things, but they're rare. You usually what you usually find is that you're you're um creating a new island off the mainland of something else, you know. I remember yeah. years and years and years ago you made an extraordinary crumble. Um, uh, um, and 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 it, it was just delicious. And the thing that it that, that was so I couldn't I didn't know what it was. And I've, I I I really feel like I've got a good palate and a good note. I couldn't figure out what was so different about this crumble. Um, and I think you've made it with olive oil. And I'd never had an olive oil crumble. And it, olive it, oil,
0: yeah, and olive it, oil and coriander seed in in a in a brown flour sweetened crumble, yeah.
1: Oh, mate, honestly, it was it was it was it, it again. It, I I I rarely rarely make a crumble now that's not olive oil because I just love that thing. So it, 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 you're all you're always picking up somebody else's ball and running with it you know, and hopefully right, do it your you're own You're making thing. me blush now. So
0: I'm going I'm, <laughs> to, it's, it's I'm allowed to make you blush. That's the whole point. You're not allowed to make me blush. Uh, and you're definitely giving me far too, uh, too much credit too uh, for your crumble influence here. <laughs> and so I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to gently move you on into the concept of the, of the Madam's cast. Mm. Um, as you know, I have asked you in advance to think about three things that you could change if you could, if you had a magic button to reset them or to change them. Mm. And who knows, you probably have got enough influence to, you know, at least partially change it. And I think if you change something for one person, then it will grow. But you, it, are, what are your three things? And we'll take them one at a time. What are your three things
1: that you would like to change about the world of food? And they can be anything you, do. anything you like. I, th- I think, you know, it, it, it's, I think this is this this time that we're in has brought it into sharper focus is that whole thing of food poverty just being a complete denier of calling yourself a civilized society. You know, nobody should be without food. Nobody should be without enough food. Um, I would like to wipe that out if I may. And I, I, I
0: would love you to. I would love you to. I mean, eight over 8 million families in the UK. I think it's something like 12 and a half million people uh, officially. I don't know how you become officially in food poverty. Mm. Um, but I was having a conversation about this earlier with someone, and the juxtaposition of, for me, being that food is often too cheap, and yet people can't, you know, there was an interesting discussion around that. And I don't know how you quite square that circle. But, um, yeah, food poverty mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's it, it, about that a bit. Well, it, it's interesting isn't
1: it different types isn't there 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 yeah, you know but it, a lot of it kind of a lot of my it's been kicking around in my head a lot with with the current situation but um one of the it kind of goes back to one of the things um that I was reading when I wrote sour and it seems to not relate but I think it really relates which is um I was reading this book called the hundred year life which is um Kind of the dullest book you'll ever read, but also really like no way, you know. It's one of those sorts of books, and and the key idea behind it, right, is that if you were born in two thousand and five, like my daughter was, you've got a one in and you're in a Western country, okay. You've got a one in two chance of living to a hundred, which is kind of blew my mind. You know, it's like my daughter's it got is, one in 100. two because the, the whole line of 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 mortality against time, you know, um, as in the decades rolling by. Um, is is bar in a few wards is relatively straight, you know. Um, the 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 longer we exist as a species, the longer we are living. And also, what's quite interesting is 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 um that morbidity, which is the patch where you're kind of in serious decline, hasn't extended as a sort of proportion of that. It stayed quite small. So the outcome of that is that we're all going to live longer, healthier lives. Okay, as a as as a general rule. Yes, there are exceptions, but. Yeah. What we also know that comes with that is that the whole dawning of kind of automation is coming. We're going to find that many, many, many of the jobs that we employ ourselves with at the moment are simply not there because they're going to be taken care of. Now, there's been lots of experiments in other countries about this whole thing of universal income. And that, to me, is what we need to come by. Not universal income as in um, uh, the benefit system that we know now, but in giving everybody a kind of minimum payment a month, and I this has been trialled in a number of places, and I think it's in Finland, certainly one of the Scandinavian countries, where the equivalent of around 500-odd quid was given to every person over, I think, 18. Um, You, me, if you're working, if you're not, if you're whatever, 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 that figure is set at the point at which everybody is out of the basic... Uh, has has all of the basic needs in life, okay, and you're going hang on a minute, how do we afford that? How do we work that how does that whatever two The two main things that happen are you do away in this country you do away with two government departments that are set there entirely to administer and manage the whole uh, benefit system, so everybody gets the same there's there 's your money let 's say let 's call it six hundred quid a month right everybody gets it doof off you go if you want to work on top of that, fine, if you want to work part-time, full-time, whatever, on you go. But this should keep you out of deep poverty of all of those things. And I think we missed a trick to trial that in the situation we're currently in, because that is coming. It's coming, for God's sake. And the upsides to it are so many. One is that you drag everybody out um, uh, out of the poverty of the essential things in life. The second is that we free ourselves up to be more creative beings. You know, we, we, we are, we've become so flat out just trying to get by, to exist, to pay the mortgage that, you know, 37 hours a week doesn't make any sense for so much of this population, even if you are doing that, you might not be in the... Co- so if you take away all of those worries, you allow people to be A, creative, B, to chase up something that they want to do, and to recognise that in a few years' time, we're not going to have the three-phase life of education, work, retirement. We're going to be doing all kinds of bits. We're going to be stopping. We're going to take a year out and do that. We're going to retrain. We're then going to work for 20 years and something else. We might then stop, take three years off. And that's the way life's going to be, because we simply can't expect the... the, the the population to be retired from the age of sixty for forty years it ain't going to work, you know. So we need to think creatively, and um, if we think creatively, as I think this current situation is kind of asking You're us to getting do already. To I know, I, 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 know <laughs> I know, but I'm being positive about the current situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Is, is that what it does? Is it, it 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 allows us to think creatively about taking away a whole load of things that aren't right in this in this world. Never mind the food world. Um, and sort them out all at once. And in Finland, where this was trialled and in other places, this was all paid for by doing away with the benefit system. And simply administering that is so hugely expensive that it's virtually a nil sum. Um, but, hey, I don't want to get into that too much. But that, that to me, we have to be creative about getting rid of that because we're not a civilized society where people can't even eat what you would I, call well, actual agree. food,
0: you I, know. I I completely agree, um, and I'm not going to bang on about the things that I do that are involved with that. But um, <clears throat> I you love should. that
1: you should bang um, on because they are well, really, they are really, really crucial things. You know, from from doing all the all the countryside trust stuff that you do, um, which is extraordinary. You know, food that and, and and this really ties in with that. It could be the second one. It could be equal with the first. Is this whole thing of waste? Is there's so much food? There's so much wild food out there that is shot for fun and never gets eaten um,
0: yeah i agree hang on. have you have you moved on to point number two is that where you're going i'm, I'm I just... uh,
1: no i'm still in one oh, waste okay. Waste, okay. And, okay. waste and food poverty i think are uh, 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 all together um, they're two shoes of the same pair and they're both things we've created right yeah it's extraordinary you know isn't that bonkers if you just go back if you i mean and this is the time to be doing it isn't it just look in your garden and go hang on a minute out of this couple of centimeters of glorious soil that sits on the top of everywhere on this planet apart from where it's sea, you've got that, you've got sunshine and you've got rain, right? They're essentially to us, they're free ingredients and they are, uh, 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 again, essentially a a self-fulfilling, refilling resource for growing food and still we mess it up. And we've messed it up chronically, mostly by throwing a whole world of, of Old energy in the form of fossil fuels at it, um, and and then wondering why we've got ourselves in a terrible situation in lots of other ways. So all these things, of course, are links in the same chain. But um, you know, we, we we have to we have to come up with a solution for that, and that's as straightforward as that. You know, and we've got opportunities to do it creatively. We, we do. We do. And and there's, you know, there's some
0: fantastic people out there doing mm. some amazing work. Yep. Um, and you just always feel it. I forget because um, my education was um, wasn't entirely classical. Uh, but there was a guy, I think, in uh, Greek mythology who spent his life having to roll a, a, a stone up the hill. Uh, do you remember him? It wasn't Damocles, but it was his mate or something. We'll call him. We'll call him Spiro for the sake of argument. Why not? Um, Spiro has to roll this rock up, up, and it keeps rolling it up. Because gets to the top, it rolls back down again. Why? You know why? It, this is a mountain that we've built. We, it should not be difficult to take yeah. it down. Well, you know, it might, it's not about my opinion, but if I were to try and sum up what you're saying, well, I think what you're getting at in a, in, a, in a nutshell, which is a cliche in itself, but if we were to try and force it into a nutshell, you would say something along the lines of,
1: stop trying to grow money and grow food. Yes, yes, yes. All day long, you know, just, it's as simple as that, Tim. Think of what we're trying to do, you know, people who you know we, yes we need to everybody who does everything in the food chain needs to be um you know on a on a on a, on a sensible income and all of that stuff um, but we it can't be beyond the wit of a society that can send a piece of metal flying to the moon with people in it and bring them back again that we can't feed people um in this country around the world whatever i just i just don't believe it's true and and as you say the danger is it, 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 it's skewed so far away from the point, which is that people are fed and healthy um, and, and skewed towards making a very few people a very great deal of money.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, brilliant, Mark. Point number one, beauty. Thanks. What yeah. a
0: beauty. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Thank you. No, no, you're welcome. And you put it very succinctly. You're a, a good wordsmith and I enjoy listening to you. Um, so point number
1: two, what's your, what's your second... Thing you'd like to change about the world of food it kind of relates um uh, and it and it, can, it kind of gets back to my previous life where i was um and my kind of um i did a sort of master's in in, in environmental management and i it, it and then i worked in that kind of field and i it, it's become hugely apparent that um which is something that we knew anyway but is is that we need to um have a more resilient food system it, it couldn't be more fragile it couldn't be more Susceptible to not being able to have imports of food, to not being able to pick it, to not have the the people on every part of that chain to do it right. To not, you know, our food. The simple fact of growing food now is a cause of climate change. All of these crazinesses um, have to be undone, and also the people who are doing the growing are not getting the income they should. And and it's a many pronged beast. This one, um, and it ties in with food poverty it ties in with waste it ties in with all of those things but we have to and we there, there is no choice again about that it's not a an option um it's a reality that we have to reinvent a more re- a more resilient food system brilliant so um we
0: can't go into the whole thing obviously but can you give me a good local example of a resilient food producing process that you have witnessed recently?
1: yeah it's' it, it really interesting um and, and I think this can this these, these sorts of things offer hope even though they're small i think um the, the reason that we're in uh, the position that we're in is not because of massive action what's happened is, is is lots of repeated small actions, and the solution to is usually a similar thing, which is that we've got to have a lot of small repeated good actions so um not far away from me on the east Devon coast here um there are some amazing amazing producers you know you've got Trill farm you've got a bullstone. Who do amazing chickens, amazing eggs? You've got natural good. brands. Shout from... out to those guys as well as Trill. So that's Trill
0: Farm. Uh, Ashley and Kate grow some wicked, wicked veg. Absolutely tip top salad. I mean, you know, extraordinary stuff. Salad's very good. Their salad's awesome
1: as well. All great. And then yeah, the Boston—is it Boston Blue? No, it's um, uh, Ballston Springs. Um, do Ballston, do... That's
0: it. That's chicken and it. eggs that, um... are phenomenal. I stole one, or actually. It, uh, sorry, I've completely interrupted, but I've got to tell you this. So I was at the Dreaded um, River Cottage Food Festival last year <laughs> and Ottolengi was there. And the lovely lady from Branscombe that grows those chickens mm. tried to give Ottolengi one of the chickens. And unfortunately, he was going somewhere, which meant he couldn't take this chicken. Excellent. And luckily, and this is the story of my life, I happened to be kicking around <laughs> and, uh, and ended up with the gifted chicken. I mean oh. what a result. I mean that was definitely definitely a bit of awesome karmic action and a good little uh, dinner party number to chuck in uh, very nice well. sorry very Completely nice could interrupted so tell me about that
1: how they how they do that. Well it's really it's really interesting you know because they're all they're all relatively small scale which is um interesting and they're on they're in they're in um you know they they there's this little lovely network of, of people so you know you, you for a while you run around and you get your eggs from them the chickens from them you might get some lamb from them you might get the herbs and the the, the greens from them and maybe the salad from there but they're now banding together um and and their particular one's called in in, in my backyard and um, and they've got a, a website and you go on it on a monday and you've gotten to wednesday evening to um uh to to Uh, put your order in and you pick it up from a hub on Friday and they do all of the thing together. So essentially you're putting together your own box of food and and they've also included, um, you know, those kind of refills. There's a a full fill, I think it's called, or fill full, one or the other. In Sidmouth, there's one in Ottery St. Mary. So again, in here in East Devon, where, you know, you you can go along and you can fill up your own Tupperware with rice or with pasta or whatever else. But again, you can do this virtually. So what we're finding is that anyone, in this area, can do so much more of what ordinarily would be called a a, um, a supermarket shop outside of the supermarket. And your so much more of your money then goes to the producer, direct. There's no middle person. You're not paying for um, all of the other things that go with um, a supermarket, you know, the heating, the oil, the transportation, all of those sorts of stuff. So your food miles are low, the embedded carbon's low, the embedded water's low you you're keeping the money inside that economy, the waste is low, the packaging is minimal. all of those things that are inherently awful about our food system they're they're being removed by this kind of banding together of of like minded producers um and to me it's it's part of That solution, you know, we have we have a a food system that has got so much in the way of embedded carbon and and water and energy and all of that stuff, and we just have to climb down from that fossil fuel mountain that we've been partying on for however many decades. And that's part of it, you know, Um, learning to get away from our habits that have caused it, if we can. And and again, there are so many people who haven't got the luxury of doing that because they've just got to go and buy whatever they can and try and see themselves through the week. And I'm very conscious while we have the luxury of being able to talk and write and enjoy food that there, there are lots of people but they uh, 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 it is one of the things that infuriates me is that um that your income decides whether you're allowed to eat healthy food or not
0: yeah absolutely and joyful food i mean those yeah. to take those chickens as an example i mean i would very happily i probably don't eat that many chickens in a year anyway but i don't and and um, i remember reading a few years ago that People eat a huge amount of chicken. I mean, something like eight hundred million chickens a year reared and slaughtered in this country, it's which is quite a big number. Um, anyway, that aside, I don't eat a huge amount of chicken, but if I do, I'd rather have one of those chickens every third chicken mm. and not have the other two. Do you see what I mean?
1: I do. I totally do. And 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 it's funny because um, it, uh, that's not just us who are in in the game, as it were. Um, you know, my mum was staying with us not that long ago. And I said, Mum, you know, we're, we're going to have one of these bulls and chickens. You know, it's extraordinary. You know, outdoor-reared, organically fed, um, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know, really good breed that's just right for that. They get a longer, longer life. So they haven't been hurried along. Um, and you can really taste it. And and she, we had this chicken. And she was like, my God, you know, that's – and my mum, you know, had woken up. Um, you know, and, and I think in response to things like River Cottage and so on, with going down the free range road at least, and you know, getting the higher welfare birds and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But here, she was totally like take, tasting the difference. And my mum's just, you know, she's not in the in. She's not a big foodie person. You know, she's she's uh, your mum, everybody's mum. You know what I mean? She's just, yeah. and 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 even you know, she's totally going. God, that's inc- that's incredible. I would you pay more yes you do of course you do because it's a different different creature in every sense apart from you know uh, the uh, the the, the, you know your 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 factory bird is a is a sort of um you know a tribute band to a chicken like this you know and and but you can taste it and then you don't waste it you know you're never tasted to wait never tempted to waste a thing you know the every bone goes into a stock you're making soup out of it all the bits that stick to the corners and the joints they that's all getting you know simmered slowly out of it over the over the, an hour or three you, you turn everything else into a curry in the way that we should but we get this is the other problem with waste and so on is if your food's too cheap um falsely cheap you know it don't, yeah. it, it's yeah. not, there is no such thing as cheap food it might be cheap to you but the all the other costs, the environmental ones, the waste, the whatever else, you know, are are, are we all pay for them out of other systems of money, you know, and, and that's too big a one to get into. But you never waste it if it costs you money. It's like a good pair of shoes or a good shirt. You know, you're always looking after it and hanging it up in a way that you might not. And I think that's a that's a big deal, you know? Yeah, yeah, and we need to make that
0: we need to make that more accessible. And I don't think I don't think um I don't think These problems are ones that can be fixed by a multiple retailer, I think, as you say. So what you're saying is, you you know, building a more resilient food system is in some ways
1: about making it more local and making those circles a bit more um, virtuous. Uh, Absolutely that, you know, and looking into all the things that cause problems with our food system, you know, carbon, water, embedded this, traveling that, extracting economies, money from other economies and other people, you know, Kenyan beans. Kenyan beans. You know, if you if you if you're eating Kenyan beans, you are unquestionably. You know, Kenya's not a place famous for um, growing things like beans. You know, the, the, that's done there and shipped to us out of season. We're inherently importing water from. Well, Kenya. you use
0: the word "ship" there. I mean, it's all air freighted, isn't
1: it? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And even, it's, even, so you've got all the implications with that. Yeah. yeah. And the water yeah. that goes into because it's got to be watered all the time. So you're, like I said we're importing uh, Kenya's water essentially and the embedded water of that and by implication exporting drought i mean it's got to be mended you know and, and it ties in with food poverty all of that stuff
0: yeah yeah i completely agree i completely agree oh man i could talk to you about that all day long uh, and it would be interesting to go and investigate some of those things i mean mm-hmm. i remember once watching um or maybe i was just talking to someone and they were in defense of the kenyan bean farmers mm-hmm. and i was like look i don't, I'm not i'm not trying to bash them for making a living that's okay. not what i'm doing but what you know and i don't want to be the overreaching sort of um white imperialist here that's not my um that's not my scenario of choice at all mm. but in to my head if in if where they're growing the beans in kenya they were concentrating on growing their own locally resilient food system mm. then we could leave them to that while we were growing ours and then we're both richer
1: this is totally it, you know. And yes, you're right. You know, once you've set up that system, you have to climb nicely down from it to let everybody down at the other end into something more positive. You know, you can't just cut off the the, the supply line. But you're totally that. There, there, there are there are many wins here, but it, it, it's not um, it's not an easy solution. But there's no doubt in that we have to deal with it. And we have to do something more positive. Mm, mm, mm. Awesome. Okay, Mark, that was brilliant. What
0: about? and you know tell me off if i'm rushing you but you've got one thing left you've got one sort of genie wish left in your lamp and yeah. you're going to rub your lamp i want you to think carefully about what your final action
1: is going to be it, <laughs> it's very tricky this because i feel like i've dealt with two two biggies um and 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 it's they're all many-sided coins um and the third one i think is 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 clearly less important but um, as in a lot of um, uh, communities, worlds, fields, you know, the food world is a really interesting one, and there are a lot hang of. On, rich- hang on, hang on, come on. Were you lost for words just then? <laughs> for a millisecond. Sorry, I, I know I never doing to talk.
0: You heard it here first, <laughs> Mark Yakane, lost for words, and Mark, yeah, you, you won't mind me uh, sharing with everyone that you, like myself, and another good friend of ours, Stephen Lamb we don't really struggle to take up all of the available um, vocal space if we need to. So I'm, I'm delighted that I've, um, or that you've stumbled over your own thoughts there Uh, and we've got that (laughs) on on recorded uh, evidence. (laughs) So we can whip that out at a later (laughs)
1: date. Sorry. Right. uh, Get yourself back together and give me me your third wish. And my third wish um, is, is, is that the conversation, the food conversation generally is, um, I'd like it if it was a little bit less polarized and and I feel like that sounds like a trivial thing but I think with you know social media has been a brilliant thing you know Twitter we can easily interact with people um Instagram we can easily share lots of aspects about what we do they're wonderful shop window it's lots of source for inspiration and stuff but the the part of what comes with that is that you are there's an implied response. So you have to rep- you have to respond quickly to something that comes out. You know, everyone has got a very quick opinion about whatever it is, whether it's news, food, a book, a film, because there's an opportunity to display it before necessarily it's gone through that um, uh, process. And I think we find ourselves, the media plays this up nicely too, is we find ourselves increasingly in a black and white world where, you know, I think this, you think that. I'm over here. You're over there. There's not as much exploration of the middle ground, or at least people wandering happily away from their current, you know, their, their their current viewpoint and inhabiting somebody else's land, and being quite aware that they can take the trip right back to where they thought they were happiest. You know, if, if they don't learn anything along the way or they haven't got anything else, and I think this is quite a big deal. You know, I think you, you, there's there's Again, there's a lot of talk, a lot of a lot of polarization. Let's say about in the food world, where you know, there might be one group of people who feel like we shouldn't be, um, we've got to be very careful about bashing stuff that might not be considered overly healthy for you. You know, so we 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 can't talk negatively about stuff that's not overly healthy because. Um, people of varying backgrounds and different incomes might not be able to eat outside that bracket. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that is – I understand that, and I think there's a there's a a lot of truth in that. But I also think that it's really, really vital that we ask ourselves whether we're happy to live in uh, – uh, to, to kind of promote a world where um, access to good food that is properly priced – is just for a small group of people because if we are, then we maintaining that kind of position is 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 difficult, and um, it's all it's also tricky because you know some of it's framed in a kind of political sense in that um, if 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 you're um, that you must keep this idea of all food being brilliant even if it's full of this and not very good for you and inherently unhealthy. But, of course, the other side of that is the people who are selling you that stuff are not doing it. That's maintaining part of the old kind of um, uh, 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 capitalist thing of I'm going to extract from you your limited money. I'm going to extract that from you, uh, 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 and I'm going to feed you something that's not good for you in exchange. They're the ones getting rich at the expense of those most vulnerable to that. And I think we've just got to be careful that we don't, perpetuate some of that by insisting that it stays that way and not having the conversation uh, without without um you know a similar argument was made um uh, in in, uh, politically you know five six years ago when the whole thing kicked off with the idea that we might leave this european union is 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 a lot of things weren't deemed to be possible to have a conversation about they got shut down immediately and i think that breeds a lot of unhealthiness and kind of debate and it polarizes people and I think I remember an old an old one thing I'm scared of in life right is that everything I don't like I end up liking in the end and it really 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 pisses me off you know I I remember being a kid and not understanding why anyone liked Van Morrison when there was a Jim Morrison you know and, and, and I couldn't understand it. I couldn't understand it. And here I am now, you know, many years later going, oh, give me astral weeks. The sun's out. I want to put astral weeks on. I want to put moon dance on, you know. Uh, and, 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 and a friend uh, put it very well. Um, he's, he he said uh, it, the only possibly the only piece of sense that's ever fallen out of his mouth is he said, you know, and it, he meant it as a metaphor, and it's totally true, is that, you know, trouble is, Mark, in the end, everyone gets to like Fleetwood Mac. And it, and it's true, you kind of, you end up bending towards things that you never would have taken on before. And this is the trouble. If we set ourselves too much against things, is that when we finally kind of come round, I don't know if we can actually let ourselves cross that barrier, but yeah. we do it, in, yeah. again, in such a polarising way that we're against the place we were before. And I just think it's not a very healthy place to be. A very good friend of mine
0: had a mantra, and her mantra... I don't know whether she realised it was a mantra, but I found it was a mantra of hers. Mm. You'd be having a conversation about whatever, and I might be, you know, slagging off someone else's daps, you know, nice. whatever. Yeah. And she would stop halfway through the conversation, and it had all been going swimmingly, and she'd say, well, it's very difficult not to be judgmental. And I, and I think that was quite clever, because you can stop yourself from reacting in the anti-way straight away. then sometimes it helps you to, to clear up a little bit more quickly how you feel about something or what you think about something or to do that research properly or to just investigate why you want to push back against it rather than immediately totally. starting to see the problems. Yeah. And that's a very it's interesting that that it, human it, behavioural stuff, isn't it?
1: It totally is. You know, and, and, and usually, I think usually rather than often, even I would say, usually it says more about us than it does about the kind of object of that you know it might be a little bit of jealousy in us you know it might be a little bit of you know oh he's a bit of a whatever in me and then you get to know you know like, oh god this is even worse he's really nice you know and and and, it, and and they can they can be all those kind of human things that all of us experience in some way or other and yeah i just i think you're right you know god let's not take the fun out of slagging somebody off who deserves it once in a while but um <laughs> you know they, 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 we've got to have that what have you got left we're not allowed to smoke. You know, when i well, you know, but um, and yeah. <laughs> we've all got you know, we've all got people we can aim the blunderbuss at. um But Excellent. yes, not as a way Excellent. of living, I think. So yes, just so, let's let's remember yeah. we're all we're all in the same pot, you know.
0: And we, I think everyone. I mean, so quite often one of the things that gets, if I use your example of food poverty, one of the things that gets thrown at me quite a bit and I've made some monumental foot-in-mouth comments in my time and, you know, some of them have been fairly horrendous gaffes. Uh, But my thing is this, so let's use the food poverty as an example. People will then come back at you and say, well, you're talking about this, it's all very well for you to say, you're blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, hang on a minute. No one who's struggling to afford to feed themselves has ever wanted to not think about why and improve it. Mm you know quite often there's a there's a sort of a backlash you know to to prevent the the conversation starting yes and I am one of those I don't know I think you are too I I don't think they're as rare as I think they are but I'm certainly one of those things that I think is rare which is I am prepared to change my opinion and be wrong Mm -hmm. quite quickly Um, and so hopefully Hopefully that's been an advantage, uh, not a disadvantage in life. So keeping that conversation open really is
1: the key to solving a vast number of problems, in your opinion. I think it is. You know, we've got to listen as well, you know, because, you know, and again, it may be men more than women, but it's certainly a widespread thing is that we use the time the other person's talking to us to think about how we're going to respond to them. Rather than listening, and, yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> isn't uh, that the truth? Isn't is the, the truth? truth? And, and you know, we're all guilty of that shit. And I think you know, it's it it's um, God, I sound like a right terrible hippie, but I do. I just think there is generally speaking more that um, you know unites us than not. And I think we've got to concentrate a lot on that um, in whatever element of. The world but also the food world I think it's really important we're doing important things whether you're growing that stuff whether you're cooking it whether you have a restaurant whether you are writing about it whether you are a critic whether you are just an Instagram queen it doesn't really matter you know because you were saying there about um you, you know somebody saying to you well it's all right for you you're a chef you're in that food world you go out do this and whatever that the thing is that I, I, I you know we've worked together for years I've known you forever there's It is is the people who have the knowledge that you have who can do things about things like food poverty by showing people how to cook at a similar level of expenditure, but a whole world of better kind of nutrition. Because that whole thing about being overfed and undernourished is such a big deal in our society. But it's people like you who not only can do that, but I know do do that, who make that jump. So, yes, it's all right for you because you know your stuff that was a you weren't born with that but also you you go out there and share it and a lot of people do that in whatever way you know they're not just about um I, I want to make myself the best whatever it might be yeah, um, yeah. I want to I want to do stuff with it and you do that stuff and that's a big deal
0: and there's some great people doing some good stuff on that obviously the world food program are doing some brilliant stuff with their global campaigns but also with their healthy not hungry thing that they run over here yep. and Tom Hunt who I believe was before my time but I think he was River Cottage early days as well now has Poco and various other things going on but he wrote a series for a newspaper recently Guardian yeah one it was there you go absolutely banging instructions on how to cook on a budget and nail it and it was so beautifully pitched as well there was not a you know not a grain of condescension in there at all it was beautifully done and really heartfelt and I I enjoyed that series a lot
1: me too and I think that and this is again—it's—it's it's, nobody's going to come along and solve things. It, there, lots of bricks, lots of bricks form a different house that we can all, uh, you know, inhabit. And I think you're you're totally right. And it these these things—they're often yes, brilliant in themselves, and it's great. And if someone say read Tom's Con, they might go, "I'm going to try that," you know. Or, or Bob Granleys wrote something the other day about using all the. The peelings of parsnips and all of this stuff in, in really interesting ways, right? Or they go to one of your demos and they go, right, I can do this with those and the bones of that. And I can learn how to pick this or to, to forage for that. But it's also that they're, they're great in themselves, but they're little mind shifters. They're little mind shifters so that you're not thinking about right, that straight in the bin. You know, you're thinking, well, what can I do with that? I could probably, you know, if I washed it before I peeled it, I could that can go in a soup. And if I did this and that, and their little mind, and, and this is what we need more than anything is a little yeah. mind shift, you know? Yeah, so they, little, kind little of, drips. The dots join, I think. The dots join between those three, um, I hope. Brilliant.
0: Mark, that was fantastic. And so I've really enjoyed um, immersing myself for the last half an hour or so in your vision of what a better food world would look like Um, and you've taken quite a grown-up and um, well as expected really a quite a quite a grown-up and practical and well-meaning and thoughtful angle on that. Because you could have gone well. I'd like Cadbury's cream eggs to be bigger, and oh, totally, uh, should, there should be two pints in a glass.
1: But oh no, I can, I can. If you, if you need three trivials, I'm, I'm, I'm there all day. <laughs> right. Hang on, you can't do wrong. both. You okay. can't do both. You're not
0: allowed to do both. I'm loving the fact that you've given me three serious ones. I love those, and and they, and they are beautiful. And we shouldn't. Damage them, or lessen them, or cheapen them by now trying to sort of claw ourselves into a comedy scenario. Oh but no, no, but but what, what you can do is we've got the nice sort of closing segment of the show here, right? So, in this cast, what we are doing at the end is I am asking everybody because I want to know because I'm obsessed with cookery books. Is I want to know what your desert island cookery book would be and what you would drink while you were flicking through it, and then I want you to nominate someone. Uh, for a future guesthood on the Madam's cast. Now, before you do that, I have to quantify that the desert island doesn't have to be a desert island. It doesn't even have to be an island. It can be wherever you like, okay? Um, the recipe book can be in print, future book that's yet to be written or or one from the ancient past, also fine. Uh, and the drink, you know, is a free-for-all. You can have whatever you like.
1: Oh, have I got? Have I got? Have I got thirty seconds of waffle before I give you my um, my my? Favorite? Yes, yeah, you can, you can. But it is—it's like
0: asking someone what their favourite album is. It's very difficult to it's do. Really difficult. I get that. Yep. But I'm going to put you on the
1: spot and ask you anyway. So okay, okay. Come on, give me the waffle and then tell me the waffle. Right, it's really difficult because, uh, like music, I I don't necessarily use, I don't necessarily play my favourite stuff very often. Um. So then you go, do you want? Do I want something that I use a lot? So something like Diana Henry's simple. I use it an awful lot, Um, uh, 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 and and it's really, really handy. But I would – great book. It's a great book. It's a really great book. There are lots of one-subject books that I really love. I really like – your wild book, your wild food handbook, is just extraordinary because it gave me access to a world that I was kind of kicking around the edge of. So I love books that do that. Catherine Phipps has done Citrus, which is really brilliant. John Wright's Foraging Stuff is always amazing. Um, I love um, Nick Sharma did a, little, a book a little while ago and he's doing another one um, that I'm really looking forward to it's coming out next year you've got lateral cooking by Nikki Segnet who I I love her writing because she again joins lots of dots and she's hilarious Um <laughs> I would um what else what else what else I would say that Nigella would be very very close to being my desert Ooh, island curveball uh, um, okay yeah, yeah. okay I, 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 what to eat what to eat was a, a total game changer for me because um, it, it it had pleasure right at the heart of it, you know. Um, uh, but more than that, and this is something I love, uh, my favorite, favorite food books, I, I, I read them way more than I would necessarily cook from them. And I cook from them a lot. But what Nigella is, I, I believe, is wildly underrated for in terms of a wide audience, you know. Like my mum knows Nigella, but she's a great cook cake, that chocolate one you made me, unbelievable, all of that stuff. But she's such an elegant writer. She's such an elegant writer. And I don't think that in the wider sense, yes, in our food world she would be totally appreciated for that. But in a wider sense I don't think um she's appreciated for that. So that would be really, really close up for it. But if you actually said, Diacano, you're only allowed one and I'm gonna stand on your hands if you try and take two. That's what I'm saying. That is exactly the concept we're going for. I'm gonna have I'm gonna have Jane Grigson's vegetable book. That's what okay. I'm gonna have. I'm gonna have Jane Grigson's vegetable book because when I started growing stuff, um, I wanted to know what to do with it. And and in fact, not, even more strongly than that, when I was thinking um, when we'd moved to what became Otter Farm, and I knew that I wanted to plant mulberries, I went off to the bath to try and figure out what else to grow. To, no, sorry, what I else what I was going to do with mulberries. So I was looking through her fruit book. And in getting there, I saw meddlers and I'm like, hey, they sound great. And I put the plan together of what to grow to start with from her books. And the vegetable book is beautifully written, has some great, great ideas, and it joins lots of dots up. And I felt like that to me is the one um, that's the one on all fronts. I'd like to read it. I want to cook from it. And it makes me happy. Well,
0: I'm going to have to nip out and uh, click myself up a copy of that because I'm going to have to have a look at that. I can't believe I'm not familiar with it. And this is probably a bit of a confession. I've never even read a Nigella Lawson's cookery book. So I'm going to to have to go and pick one up and have a look through it. I've been very guilty of, um, of disregarding that clearly. She's
1: just got great – I mean, the, the, hey, the recipes are great, but the, the her writing stuff is so elegant. It feels like she's got her feet in warm water somewhere sunny and sipping a, a, a cocktail. Um, okay, well, that's a good place. So what's your drink then? I think what I want is um, – I want a mojito. I want a mojito. Oh. Yeah, and, and I'm, I'm – there are lots of good mojitos. You know, the five – I always remember four, but I know that there are five key ingredients, which are uh, white rum, lime – uh uh, moroccan mint ideally but mint certainly lots of lime um and and a a, a good ton of um soda water but i like messing around with them and in sour there's um one of my messing arounds is using ginger and ginger beer and tamarind so you get a good bit of sharp off that instead of the lime so um the mint's still there the the um the white rum is still there Sugar always forget sugar. Did I say sugar? Sugars, in no, there. you didn't say sugar, but I was going to pick you up on it, so you saved yourself. I saved um, myself, didn't I? Quite nicely um, there, yeah, yeah. But the ginger comes in two bits: is ginger beer, a good slice of um, ginger itself, and tamarind, and, and, and the ginger beer is taking the place of the soda water. And it's brilliant, it, knockout, brilliant. A double ginger tamarind mojito. That would that sounds right good. Out.
0: And is there any irony there r- related to your hair color? You cheeky devil. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Strawberry I blonde. just wondered. Strawberry oh, Blonde, on. mate. Strawberry Blonde. <laughs> oh, Strawberry Blonde. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I've forgotten yeah. about that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> brilliant, Mark. Fantastic. What a great chat. Um, do you want to nominate someone alive or fantastical to to appear in a future broadcast of the Madam's cast?
1: I think, do you know what, who I I, I always enjoy listening to and talking with is, uh, I, 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 I would say Naomi Devlin, because she, again, plows a very distinct furrow. Of, of all the stuff that's wonderful for your gut also brilliant gluten-free stuff that goes beyond the um this is kind of gluten-free impersonation of the whatever you know she she's taken it beyond that um and and uh, and she's great yeah and i know who she is and i've read one of her books so it's it's definitely better
0: Happy <laughs> than, day. than some of the others we've talked about i think that's interesting because um she does do that well, and she does put flavor first, which I think is so important because I always found it quite interesting that everyone decided to label their um, ranges of food that were designed for people who had intolerance as free from, and I always felt that they'd missed the flavor word off the end yes. of that.
1: Yeah, um, Brilliant. Um, so, Mark, that was great. We had a lovely chat. I feel like I've really caught up with you. It's been a real treat, Tim. You know, and, and, and hats off to you doing this because, um, you know, I think you're – I love this idea of you playing um, – kind of relay and the baton being passed from one to the other to the other to the other to the other um and yeah, YouTube, yeah. it's been a real treat chatting with you um and and all power to your elbow well mate you're a top badger
0: i'm gonna uh, i'm gonna end our remote recording link at this point and say cheerio so thanks a lot mark for coming on um we'll see you soon
1: total pleasure you take care cheers mate